step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Sarah figured out that by switching to MetroPCS, she gets two free smartphones. Your barbecue ribs are the best. Take the rest home with you, Sarah. Just like she figured out that by visiting her in-laws, she doesn't have to cook for the rest of the week. You too, figure it out. Get two free 4G LTE smartphones from top brands like Samsung and LG after instant rebate when you switch. Metro PCS, wireless, figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included. See store or metropcs.com for details and terms and conditions.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It feels like forever since we've done a show. Uh, last week, the Block Talk Radio site, uh, the whole site crashed last week, and uh, it affected only the hi-fi, the high-definition people, and I'm like one of the 10 that have that. <laughs> we weren't able to do a show. All the other 14,000 hosts that broadcast the lo-fi were able to, but we couldn't. Uh, so I do apologize to everybody who tried to tune in and, and couldn't get a show out of us. And I especially apologize to our guests, uh, the guys in Oblivion Myth and Jeff Martin from Racer X and Blasted the Static. But the Oblivion Myth guys with us tonight. We'll be talking with them in about 25 minutes. And Jeff Martin was rescheduled for about two weeks from now. We also have Tim Baker from Sirith Ungle on here tonight and Derek Brumley from Conquest. We're going to have to kind of combine two weeks' worth of shows into one tonight. Uh, last weekend was Memorial Day, and, you know, we were opening up the show with Saxon, Broken Heroes, to kind of, you know, pay tribute to all our fallen soldiers out there. Uh, it's a week late, so I have to apologize again for that, but I figured I'd still get it on there. Also, I spoke with Steve Tetro from Armed Forces and Armed Force, and uh, he wanted to dedicate the song Heavy Artillery off the band's record uh, to our soldiers. And like you know, I said, I couldn't get it on because we didn't do a show last week. So we will get that on tonight. Matter of fact, I'll play that right now, get it out of the way, jump into another tune or two, and then we'll keep the music and the news flowing until our guests come on tonight. Here you go for Steve Tetro, Armed Forces, Heavy Artillery.
All right, Grand Prix with Countdown to Zero. Bob wanted to hear that. Bob out of Phoenix. So uh, there you go. I didn't know what song to pick a play off those albums because really none of them are any good in my opinion. But, Bob, you like them. That's all that matters. Enjoy it. Grand Prix. All right, well, let me see. I do have a brand new Fates one. I'm going to get that on. Uh, our good friend Bobby Leatherlungs Lucas from Attacker sent me some projects he was working on a while back. The songs are really long, like eight, nine, ten minutes long. Uh, so maybe we'll close out today's show with one of those tunes. We'll get some Attacker on after that. The band is almost done recording the brand new record, the follow-up to the Giants of Canaan. That was the first time I had Bobby on vocals. It was such a killer record. Uh, hopefully by the end of the year, it'll be out. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be on Metal on Metal Records again, like the last album. And we'll have the guys on the show when we get a little closer to that. Uh, but next week, we got a great show lined up for everybody. Joe Lynn Turner from Rainbow and, and now Sunstorm. I mean, he's had the Sunstorm project going for quite some time, but there's a brand new record out that they're promoting. So Joe will be on the show next week. John Riccio from Tantrum will be on the show next week. And Brian Frank from Rapid Tears and his new band Killer B will be on the show. So I don't forget to tune in. Everybody's live next week. It's going to be a great show. All right, uh, let me see here. Before we do the Fates warning, there were so many things I had to talk about last week, and without being able to do the show, I think I forgot most of them. So uh, I'm trying to think if I could – let me look back here. Maybe I got some notes from last week around still. Uh, Tony Harnell, everybody knows now he's back in TNT. When he joined Skid Row about a year or so ago, I, I said he would never last more than a year. The man is just – completely unreliable when it comes to playing in a band. I don't know if it's just he can't get along. We interviewed him, I want to say about four or five years ago. And uh, it was it was a kind of it was kind of a difficult interview. And I remember the same day we interviewed him, he did another interview for another show where he came out and criticized the host of that show because he felt the guy was like kind of sleepwalking through the interview. So I, you know he's probably a really difficult guy to play with. And why Skid Row would have made him join the band uh, is beyond me because it, his track record speaks for itself. And the last thing they needed was a guy coming in for a few months while they're trying to rebuild again and just walking out and leaving. But he did it. He's back with TNT right now. Uh, supposedly him and Ronnie working on new music. I guarantee you by the end of 2017, that will be history. That will no longer exist either. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, if I have a Vegas bookie, I, I would put my money on it. He will not be in TNT by the end of, by the end of next year. That's pretty much it. Uh, Stephen Piercy, uh, you know, there's like the five different rap bands going on. Juan has his version. Bobby has his version. Steven goes out as the voice of rap, or is that Jeff Tate? I can't remember anymore. All these excellent singers are going out as the voice of their band. But Steven had it. Warren kind of stepped out of everything a long time ago uh, musically. But now uh, uh, Steven Piercy put a post on the site that him and Warren are getting together and they're writing new music. Now, I don't know if it's a, a separate project. Or if it's going to be a new rat record, because he did make mention that, you know, any other rat band out there is not the real rat. So maybe these two figure they get together, considering that all three of them are supposed to be the owners of the, the name or the, the corporation of rat. I guess so they figured maybe if the two of the three get together, uh, they could kind of push Bobby out from what he's doing. I don't know. Uh, it's going to be a rock and roll soap opera, I'm sure. So we'll uh, have to keep an eye on that and see how it plays out. All right. But right now, let's get to the brand new Fates warning. Here's a song called Seven Stars.
right, brand new Fates 1, and the band kind of picked up where they left off. A pretty good sounding record, in my opinion. We'll get more on off the album as we go along over the next few weeks, and I'm sure we'll have somebody from the band on here uh, towards the end of the month, maybe in July, when they start doing uh, some press. Uh, you know, uh, uh, J.J. French from Twisted Sister was saying that, uh, you know, nobody wants to hear new music from bands anymore. Uh, bands just, you know, people just want to hear the old classics when they go out and they play live. And, you know, maybe because Twisted Sister hasn't put out a good record uh, like, you know, Under the Blade. I mean, Can't Stop Rock and Roll was pretty good. Once they, Every album after Stay Hungry, they had the hit songs on that record, but I just wasn't crazy about it, you know, back in the day. They weren't kind of commercial, in my opinion, kind of popping. I hated it. But they just went downhill after that. Maybe nobody wants to hear new Twisted Sister music. That's the problem. Uh, but I want to hear new music from bands all the time. And I can name a thousand albums in the last couple of years that came out by classic 80s bands, uh, that put out new records. Some of them have the long gaps in time that are just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. So I want to hear new music. Plus, I don't know if you saw, but they, they have this uh, pricing system. The, if you can meet them at the shows, Twisted Sister charging like $2,500 to meet them after a show. Uh, it's like a VIP meet and greet. You get some like stainless steel necklace, a patch, an autographed picture. I mean, you get about $10 worth of shit, you get to meet the band. I think the cheapest package they were offering uh, was $250, and you never get to meet the band. You just get an autographed picture, I think a patch, and uh, I don't know what else they're giving it. Maybe a cup of tea? I'm not even sure, but it's just absolutely a, a ridiculous money grab by the band trying to make what they can before they go out. I mean, when you know, it's funny when you hear J.J. French talk about, like, you know, nobody wanted to hear new music. Uh, I mean, the man hardly wrote any music anyway, as it is for Twisted Sister. It was mostly on D. Schneider who wrote the music. So uh, I just find it funny when something like that comes from a guy like him. Even though I did tell you the documentary was really good, I recommend seeing it. But after hearing him talk lately, I'm just getting turned off more and more to Twisted Sister. All right, let's get back to the music right now. Oblivion Myth will be calling in in a couple of minutes. Let's get on a tune off of a brand new record. We'll talk to the group about that. It's called Inside the Mirror, the first record in 10 years. Uh, so uh, check it out. Right after this, we should have the band on the air live. This is a, uh, let me see what we got, five minutes? Let's do Steve Tranquility. That'll fit right into the time frame.
Rye, brand new Oblivion Myth, Sea of Tranquility, off the new record Inside the Mirror. I have the band on the line right now. Let's get them connected and get this interview going. Hey, guys, you all there? We're here. Hello. Hey, how are you? Keith, Tim, Bob, Kevin. I have to apologize to you guys for last week. The site crashed, and we couldn't do the show. I'm really sorry about that, but I'm glad that you were able to come back on this week and, and get this interview going. No problem. No problem. We appreciate uh, it. Uh, it's my pleasure. I, I tell you, I hope you don't have to wait 10 years for the next record because the music has gotten so much better than ever before. That's way too long to wait. <laughs> <laughs> we agree with you. We already have ideas for the next one, so it's in the works. That's great. Listen, I'm just going to throw the questions out there. Whoever wants to answer them, feel free because you know, I can't see your faces, so I don't know who's going to uh, answer. But the new record, Inside the Mirror, like I said, it's been 10 years since the, the last record came out. A lot has taken place and a lot has gone on with the band. Uh, Tim, you've been with the group for a little while now. Kevin, you just hooked up with the guys. How did the two of you come about joining uh, Keith and Bob? We've had this thing kind of going since the beginning. Um, actually, it's sort of like a dream made in heaven. Uh, I've always been... <laughs> A very strong Iron Maiden, Rush fan, uh, Dream Theater, and I mean this is this I, I sort of fit this band like a glove. Musically, I mean it, it's just fun to play, it's challenging, and uh, it's just a heck of an honor to be with guys that's got so much talent. Yeah, this Jim, you know um, I had um, run across right cross paths with Keith like ten, eleven years ago. And um, I was in another band at that time, and he was kind of putting something together, you know. But <clears throat> he never he never lost my contact information and um, called me up back from the, the grave, so to speak, got me off the couch and singing again. And um, we did a tribute band called Led Sabbath. And around that same time, the Oblivion Myth singer Ray Legrand uh, announced that he was going to be moving away doing a ministry in Germany. And... Um, since we had recently worked together and all that, you know, I was pretty much ready to uh, to step in and fill those shoes, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, Tim, your voice is absolutely amazing, especially on this record. Uh, you've had to, you know, you've taken over like two singers that came in before you that had actually recorded material with the band. Uh, is it difficult when you have to go back and look at the older material and try to like recreate what they're doing? Or have you just taken it upon yourself to kind of work it out to the way you sing? Well, um, I think that the only thing that was really tough is the fact that the original singer, Andy Freeman, has a slightly higher voice than me. So um, we ended up tuning the D, and it helped a lot, and um, it gave me a lot more power on the legacy songs. And some of the writing that I'd done in a previous band was detuning, so it just was kind of a natural progression to that. And um, But I, I definitely bring my own approach. Um, at a certain point, I honestly started to tune out the old singers and what they had done and just said, look, I'm just going to do it my way. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing a lot of those songs too. And Keith, Bob, I mean, you've had this band going for a long time now. Uh, what happened that it took so long to get the second record out? How long? No, I mean, we know how oh, long. It's been about 10 years since oh. uh, the world between light and shadows, but what took so long? Oh yeah. Well, it, it's been, uh, it's over, over time. It's, there's been a lot of musicians in and out of the band. And we 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 attempted to record this album. The first time was in uh, 2010, and some in uh, 2011, and maybe in 2012. But all those times it just didn't happen with the combination of the people recording and and it ha everything happens for a reason. And um, but uh, for some reason, 
it's hard it's hard to explain. You know, I mean, I know it's taken like eight years since the last record, and I apologize for that. But basically, uh, ultimately, all of those attempts failed in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they did. They did. You know, and I'm not here to beat up anybody that was involved during those years. Um, things happen for a reason. Yeah, well, you know, but we put together a winning team this time. We recorded with Curtis Erdick. He's got a good studio. He's a great musician. He knows the software. He knows how to record music and mix it. And then the original singer, Andy Freeman, is now making a name for himself as a producer and not just a singer and musician. And he wanted to tackle this and be the producer for his connection to the band and also to hone his skills and put his name on it and start to make a name for himself as a producer. So we we got an extraordinary effort from him as well. And I think that that's a lot of the success is we had a couple of real pros that helped finish it. Yeah. And it shows in the sound of the record, without a doubt. I mean, it's a big sounding album. Yeah, Andy, uh, he produced this one, this, just like the first one. Uh, he's a producer again for the second album. And uh, But the engineer was told, you see, Andy's down in Ocala, Florida. And the engineer that we worked with in Nashville was Curtis Erdick. And he was, like, great to work with. And we tracked this album, like, July to November last year. And I would say last July was kind of like an anniversary that Tim had been working with the band. And uh, we had to, we swapped out, you know, we had a, some bass players kind of change positions and we've got Kevin now since, since uh, December. And that was after all the recording was done and the album was done recording and it all went into mixing until like Easter for like, I guess that's about four months. Yeah, and then we uh, went through some revisions and changes and things like that. Just things that you do as you're mixing and you listen to versions of the songs and all that, and you're making your changes and whatnot. And then uh, the album was approved by everybody in the band, and then we decided to go ahead and uh, work, finish up our art and the packaging, and print up our our first batch of uh, copies. Well, we're glad that it's here and it's out now, and that's an important thing. I mean, lyrically, you know, especially with the older tunes, the band focuses a lot of the music and the, the writing around your Christian beliefs. And I remember in an interview you did a long time ago, you said, you know, we're not a Christian band, we're a band of Christians. And I thought that was really cool because it seems like nobody gives anybody flack or any flack when they're writing about the devil or Satan or black male or any other typical heavy metal topic, you know, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But it comes to writing about your beliefs and how you feel and, and you see things. People just seem to, like, Condemn it or not accept it. I just never understood that. I, I mean, is that something that you've had to deal with over the years? Well, that's that's biblical, isn't it? I mean, we're told yeah. to rejoice when men revile us for His sake. We're told that what is wisdom will be called folly, and what is folly will be declared wisdom. So we we know that we're fighting a game against a stacked deck and a fallen creation with an enemy that fights dirty. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but, but I don't, you know what I don't I don't get why music is music. I mean, and you think people would just you know accept lyrically what the bands are are into and feel like writing about. I mean, it's your art, it's your passion, and and you know it's it's your life, and that that reflects in everything that you do. Yeah, but that's really a lot of what the band's philosophy is about: is an awareness of spiritual warfare and these powers and principalities, these realms of heaven and hell, as being real and being at war over our souls. So. 
this threat that you're talking about, this reaction, this it's because the name of Jesus is very powerful, and it causes people that are not of the light to recoil and to weep and gnashing of teeth, and they have this angry response. And, you know, I think it's kind of sad because, you know, we all have this chance for redemption. You know, we all have this opportunity, but we choose sides and we make decisions, and it leads us down a path, you know, and it's it's something that we're trying to give a different set of ideas and a different bit of philosophy in the club. They might hear a band that's very gloomy. That might be a death metal message or whatever kind of metal they are, you know. The message may be quite different than ours, so we want to make sure that people get a, a different story. Absolutely. Here, I mean, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, here, here goes the deal. For all your, your listeners and everything, because they're great metal fans, just listen to the album. Listen to the music and just see whether or not you enjoy it. Yeah. I know they will. It's a great record, and you know, I, I you know I love reading the lyrics no matter what they're written about, as long as they're written well. You know, nothing. You know, if you go back to the eighties, you remember Stripe. Everybody gets Stripe with so much flack. You know, throwing out the Bibles, doing this, doing that. Now today, the people love all the people that condemn them love them now, and they can't say enough good things about them. It's just it's like an image, and I, and that's what bothers me the most that people just don't get it. Yeah. Right, right. We'll see them in Nashville here next week, as a matter of fact. Yeah, they'll be here uh, at the exit in June 8th. June yeah. 8th. We're going to go see I'm going to address a point here. This is Bob, by the way, the drummer. I haven't talked much at all. Um, I'm going to address a point you asked about the songwriting earlier, because um, I've been in this band since 2012. And it's it's amazing since, the, since Tim has come into the band, the songwriting has definitely changed, because Keith writes very um, – uh, very forward and has a lot of pieces and a lot of, you know, it, it's not as simple. It's, you know, more dream theater-like and his influences. Well, Tim, Tim thinks very melodically and not necessarily riff-driven, but very melodically and vocal-oriented. And, of course, I'm kind of with Keith. You know, I, I, I it's all about the groove with me and the feel. Uh, and, of course, Kevin fits right well into that. But Everlasting Fire, one particular song that has been done, Tim took the lyrics, and he literally rewrote the entire lyrics to that song, and it is now a duet, which, of course, is on the album with uh, Cat Fritchman. Um, and it's a totally different song with a totally different message, but the music is the same. And, you know, the way that Tim sings it, obviously, is different. I mean, you know, literally everlasting fire is the same, but everything else is different. But Tim brings, brings a, um, a... He completes the songwriting process and how many perspectives that we come at with the song. He thinks melodically. You know, when you got, you know, two guys that are thinking about the riff and about the groove, the other guys say, hey man, it's got to sound good because, you know, when people listen to something, what do they hear first? Most people hear the vocal line. They hear the lyrics. They hear, you know, they, the sing-songiness. They want to sing it. And so, Tim brings that and, in my opinion, we're very balanced in that way or at least more balanced than we have been. So I think that's a plus. That's a huge plus. Right now I'm handing Bob a series of $1 bills to pay him for all his labor costs. You know, guys, like we said, because there was such a gap between the records, you know, the first and second, I mean, even though you've been around a long time, you're an established act, do you kind of feel like you're starting over now again, like it's like a fresh start for the group? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. But, uh, yeah, we are because we're really, really trying to, with all the promotion that's been going on with all the guys that have been doing, um, yeah, we're, we're trying to get into festivals. And we're oh, we're yeah. trying to get things booked. We're getting the CD into people's hands. We're trying to see what things will come of that because 
it, it is fresh because nobody wants a CD that's 10 years old. Well, yeah, and, and honestly, it's a new band. You know, Keith's the only surviving member from the original CD. The rest of us are new. All these songs are, you know, some of, a lot of them are legacy songs, but we have co-writes. We have new songs. It's a new, it's a new band. You know, yeah. I started to admit, I started the band 13 years ago, and it's been in the Nashville market for the past 10 and a half. That's how long I've been living here in the Nashville market. And uh, this album is kind of like about eight years in the making. There's songs that, that will sound familiar when we're, when we're playing live, but there's another half of the album that's all brand new material that, I, that we wrote with Tim. So it's a lot of songs that were, so I would, I would say the first half that, that we've been playing live over the years, uh, there was always intended to be recorded to an album. And, and like I said, we had those attempts five to six years ago. They finally made it. I think Keith's trying to say this is his Chinese democracy, but it's finally been <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been a long road, and I'm very thankful that it's finally here. And now all we want to do is play anywhere and everywhere as much as we can. I don't care where it is on this earth. Yeah, well, that's good to know. Well, I mean, you're out of Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, it's literally the music capital of the world. So you think there would be a lot of music opportunities there, but is it like that for a metal band? Is there enough, you know, going on there metal-wise to support the band locally? Well, there's there's a uh, there's a good strong metal following here in Nashville, uh, and and I mean it's, it's like a family. The, the the fans here are just fantastic. We're we're all one big family, and there are a lot of good metal bands in Nashville as well. Uh, but you don't want to, you know, we we don't want to try to limit ourselves to being just a local or even just a regional band. We're wanting to reach out and and just take advantage of every opportunity that that we can pursue. You know, so there's yeah. a good market here. There's a great market here, but we want to not only conquer this market but every other market out there. Well, we're looking forward to see what opportunities arise, you know, with this album. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's not a hundred thousand or $200,000 album. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty much level, but you know, we think it, it sounds great. And, um, we had a lot of really talented people work on it. Um, and And we've got a great live show. Yeah. We have to, we're working on the live show. Yeah. But we, we are really anticipating what kind of opportunities can, can come about, you know, based upon, um, I'll say this, the improvement over the old one. I'll say that. Right. Yeah. And uh, I want to point this out. On June 18th, we're having an album release concert. The album will not be available to the public until the 18th, and then the week following that, it'll be available through iTunes and all the digital services. But on that June 18th show in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, at Main Street Music, we're going to perform the album from beginning to end. We're going to record it. It's going to be on for a DVD and also online, and we'll probably have like six to ten cameras, angles all wow. over this place, and we're gonna, and it's gonna be recorded. The audio is gonna be recorded professionally and through Pro Tools and whatnot. So we're gonna, our goal is to make a nice package of like a DVD and have uh, the video available online, and use that to spark more shows. And we want to play festivals. And uh, I know a lot of the festivals are already booked this year. 
but uh, we're still pursuing them, and hopefully we can get in next year. Uh, like I said, everywhere and anywhere. That's the way to do it. I mean, what, what's the biggest challenge of getting the band out on the road today? I mean, is it difficult lining up on, on tours? I mean, because a lot of people have commitments and they have families, and it's not so easy to just go out for a couple of weeks or months if, if that's even possible today. Uh, but is it just finding the right places to play, making the right contacts, hooking up with other bands that could kind of like take you along with them and get you to different cities and states? Well, you know, we've had the, a problem up till now that there wasn't a new album. And a lot of the club owners were telling Keith, where's your new CD? Where's your new album? They they want fresh and they want current and they, they don't want a band that's been touring for eight years on an album, the strength of one album, you know. So that's been probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks up till now. But yeah. uh, we're talking July 30th in Atlanta. Yes. So that's like our, you know, our first road gig now is happening now that the album is launched. So it's actually in Marietta, but it's, yeah. it's, yeah. We're working on that date. But that obstacle is out of the way now. Well, that's good. And it seems like you're getting closer to New York where I live. You know, you're making your way up to Georgia now, so a few more states and you'll be here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. We'll be in the neighborhood, right. Hey, let me tell you, New York... New York has got a great metal community, and I, and I can send you some contact uh, for some people here that could probably help you out and uh, maybe get a show here. It would be great to see you guys live. That would be awesome. Super. We love that. It would be our privilege. Thank you. Yeah, uh, no problem. I, you know, I, when I listen to your music and I see everything that you guys do, I see a concept album. I don't know why. I just see you guys writing this amazing concept album start to finish. Is that something you've ever thought about? Uh, well, uh, actually, yeah, it was exactly that way. Um, I sent Andy, the producer, what I like to call the director's cut, and it was all the songs in the order carefully chosen with these interludes and little slices and vignettes and sound things going on between the songs and kind of a flow. And the first half of it is kind of a space metal kind of thing. We've got Apollo 11 and 13 clips. The songs are actually kind of the sci-fi kind of nature. But then it really changes, and it becomes much more of a kind of a Pink Floyd thing where it's all about emotion, the struggle, inward struggles, spiritual warfare, those kinds of things. And it ends um, not really on a gloomy note. It really kind of ends on a warning, I think I would like to say, because the final song, Venom of Vices, we're saying, you know, don't let it take over. You know, lift the curse, rise rise to the call, or bad things are going to happen. So there is kind of a warning to end the album, I think. Yeah. I mean, you you guys know the state of the industry right now. It's difficult trying to get people, you know, to pay attention to anything today. Does it affect the way you write music? No. No. Um, I think you've got to be yourself. I think you've got to, to write and, and create the music that that you feel comfortable with and that comes from your heart. And then it's a matter of whether or not anyone else likes it. Yeah, I would, I would, I would rather, I would rather stay in my basement and play the music that I enjoy, than to be in a crowd of, be in front of a crowd of a thousand or a hundred thousand people playing music that I absolutely hated to play. It's all about just the passion, the love of creating music. I'm actually trying to picture what music I would hate enough that I wouldn't play in front of 100,000 people. I'm struggling with that a little bit. So uh, I think I could probably turn my hat around and rap a little. I could do some crooning. I could probably sing a little yodel or, you know, I'm I'm down for the $100,000. But we have a little saying around here when we're, we have a little saying around here when we're working on something, and it just basically goes like this. 
if it doesn't suck, keep going with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. That says it all. That is very true. Uh, I, I don't know which one of you guys is making up and putting up all the flies for the shows, but somebody's got a, a future job in marketing. Is <laughs> they're pretty funny. <laughs> that, that would be me, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you definitely got a job in PR. Well, I, I'll tell you what. It, it's it's for me. It's just a matter of you know. I see all these bands that uh, they they book a show, and then they just keep repeating, putting the same little promo ad out every time and it gets boring. So I try to put something out that at least it'll make you smile. At least it'll get your attention. Yeah. And he's done. Yeah. I gotta pay him another hundred dollars. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well well the songs that are on this record, are, are these songs that have been lying around for years or is there anything relatively new out of the group that was just written right before the record? Uh, yeah, the newest song would have to be Battle Angels. Um, I wrote that while we were actually doing the demos for the other songs. Yeah, uh, a newer, I guess, Hallowed would be the newest one. Other yeah, there's about five or six brand new songs, uh, essentially, for this album that are, like, under two years old, I would say, probably. Yeah. Those yeah. Are yeah, those are the very newest ones. Yeah. Uh, well, that's good to know. Hey, well, guys, I'm going to get on some more music, and I got another guest coming on right behind that. But where's the best place to keep up with the band, find out what's going on? I know, like you said, the CD will be available after June 18th in the live show. And, you know, I'm looking forward to getting that package with the DVD also somewhere down the road. To see that live, it's going to be pretty cool. I would say the our Facebook page and our Reverb Nation page, which is basically just Oblivion Myth on ReverbNation.com. And it'll all come up. Yeah, and, and on Facebook, it's Oblivion Myth fan page those that are and, you know and well we're also on twitter just the you know the last name you know the full name of the band i would say those are the top three we don't tweet that much because you know kim kardashian doesn't really talk to us <laughs> so there's not a lot to say on twitter um, that's a shame <laughs> yeah. there's gonna be some more there's gonna be some new and, and more content on our our youtube channel which is also just you know the band's name is how you would get there yeah, and no, guys, I would look, say, well, go to the Facebook page and like us. Yeah, absolutely. It's the best way to do it these days. Hey, well, guys, listen, the yep. best of luck with the brand new record. You did an amazing job on it. We're going to play the heck Thank out you. of it on this show and give it all the press we can. And I know I'll see you Thank guys you. in New York one day. Thank all right. You. Sounds great. I, I just awesome. want to say that it has been an honor. You have got an amazing show, and we appreciate so much the opportunity to get on it, man. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Mike. Anytime. You. I wish we could have did it last week, but you know what? I was one out of 14,000 people that couldn't do a show. So that's our luck here. Yes, sir. All right. Not a problem. No problem. All right, thank guys. You. Take care. All, All right. Too. I want to thank Kevin, Keith, Tim, and Bob from Oblivion Myth. Killer band out of Nashville, Tennessee. Let's get on another new song off the record. Here's Absence of Malvolence. <laughs>
the Lords of Thunder attack, and that comes off the band's second record with the John Leone, the late John Leone on vocals. Great album. Man, I don't think Attack has ever really put out a bad record, you know? And I am looking forward to the newest one, which we should get by the end of 2016. This is shaping up to be another great year for heavy metal. I mean, each year over the last couple have gotten better and better. The Classic 80 bands putting out amazing new records, new bands with that Classic 80 sound. Uh, what a great year it's going to be. All right, we're going to get Tim Baker on the line in about 10 minutes. Play a few more tunes between now and then. I also saw last week that Man of War announced their farewell tour. I mean, when, I love when Man of War announces their tours to begin with. It's like the Man of War World Tour for King of This or Warrior of That. And then you look at the tour schedule, it's like three shows in Germany. <laughs> they, they play the same, like, you know, country all the time. It's always Germany with a couple of shows, and that's like their world tour. I mean, if the world was just Germany, I get it, but there is a whole world out there besides them, and uh, I just find it funny. But it didn't say they were retiring. It didn't say they were quitting. And if you look at it, the word farewell is in quotes, which to me means Manu was probably just saying, we're calling this the farewell tour like you would call it any other name, and that's actually the last time they're going to go out and play live. Because I haven't heard them say that at all yet. So let's see what happens with the group. I mean, i got to be honest, I haven't been a fan uh, since Ross the Boss left, you know, back, uh, I felt like after that the band just became repetitive and monotonous. And I just really wasn't a fan of them after that. I don't think they really put out any good records, at least in my opinion, uh, since the last Ross the Boss record with them. So we'll see what happens. You never know. It is Man of War. Uh, Femme Say Cal is putting out their second record after 25 years, and I don't think anybody really cares, to be honest with you. So let's just move on from that. Let's get some more music on here, and I'll uh, get Tim's number out, and we'll call him. I'll play one tune. Maybe we'll go into some Sarah's Uncle right after that, and uh, we'll get Tim on the line. So let me see what I can dig up for you now. I'm kind of limited on song choices because when I converted back to the lo-fi format from the hi-fi, I wasn't able to play any of those songs uh, because it's two different uh, like uh, systems that they use on here. Uh, so I'm kind of limited to what was already on the site. I know it kind of sucks, but uh, nothing I can do about it this week. I'll get it going next week. It took me the whole week to get, get everything up and running. All right, how about we do uh, Tyrant, Fast Lane?
Zarathon Go, Black Machine. How can you not play that song? One of my favorite of all time. All right, let's get Tim on the line, and we'll get this interview going. Sit back and give me a second here. Hello. Tim, this is Mike from Heavy Metal Mayhem. How are you? Hey, pretty good. How are you doing? We're just right in the middle of practice, and I saw your phone go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad I got Uh, you, man. It's a pleasure to have you on here today. Cool. Hey, I got the other guys here, too. You want to put on speakerphone? We can all, like, do our two cents in, man. Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, it's up to you. Okay, hey, wait, hang on. Well, I guess I'm going to do it higher for a second here. Like, we're, okay, we got, like I said, we're right in the middle of practice, so I open up the door and I like, get some air and shit in here. Man. Oh, sorry, I didn't <laughs> All right, we'll just no, step right Yeah, so you're on mute today. Hey, you so how's it going, this. man? Okay, I'm doing oh, no, great, no. man. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah. Go ahead. All right, you guys are back. I mean, this has been like something that every you know metalhead has been dreaming about for decades, and it finally happened. What brought it all about? Oh, uh, what brought it all about? Well, like I said, uh, the, the, there's a big festival here in our hometown, which is put on by uh, the, uh, the lovely and talented Jarvis Leatherby from Night Demon called Frost and Fire Festival. And we were there last year signing autographs and stuff like that, you know. And uh, it just kind of thing kind of evolved from that. And we decided, you know, hey, you know, let's, you know, let's, everybody was there. You know, I said, hey, let's, uh, you know, see if we can just, you know, get back together and see what happens kind of, you know, so, uh, it's, it's, so far it's been going pretty good. So wait, yeah, yeah let's go. Like, hang on, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it in here. Hey, I'm going to tr- put it on speakerphone for a second. Go right ahead. Hey Mike. Hey, what's going on? I got you all. All right. Oh, I can hear right. you fine. You're oh good. no, 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 I, I got it. I, 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 I'd like myself in the studio, the soundproof part so I can talk to you. So, <laughs> Sorry, man. Oh, okay, no problem. Yeah, yeah. No it just kind of, it just, it just, like I said, it just kind of evolved naturally just from that. And uh, you know, we hadn't done anything in so long. We just, you know, we just all kind of like decided, hey, let's just, you know, get together, plug in, and see what happens and stuff. And it, you know, it, it's going pretty good so far. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you go back. I mean, the band goes back to the early '70s. You came around in the mid '70s to the band, a different sound of group at that time, until the first record came out. It seems like you guys struggled for so many years trying to get the name of the band out there, get the attention that you deserve, and then, like, you know, when you break up, all of a sudden the group takes on like this godlike status with people and the fans. And I'm like, where were you guys when they were active? <laughs> we could have kept them going. Yeah, it's 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 pretty funny like that. Like you said, I mean, but you know what it is really? It's uh. Of course, it's the, uh, the the internet, you know, is really what yeah. made everything like just kind of like keep going. And a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of bands out there, you know, doing you know cover songs and there's like the tribute albums and everything like that. And like I said, the the internet's going and everything. That that's kind of what kept everything alive. And then uh, you know, like you said, it's just it's been so long and it's just it's just so humbling and, and awesome. Just you know, you go online, you just see all this like you know like you know cover songs and, and all this kind of this you know it's, it's so crazy man but it's it's awesome yeah well you know tim you go back to the early days of the band it took a couple of years after you joined to get that first record out and when it does come out i mean before you got before the album came out there was a, a whole new the hard rock and heavy metal scene emerging here in the u.s i mean it started over in england it came here and you guys were at it before like it really took place here and you were writing music that really wasn't kind of heard of at the time 
Yeah, well, like I said, when we first started doing it, I mean, there wasn't that, like you said, there wasn't really that big of a metal scene here. And it was, you know, we were playing like the clubs in LA and that kind of stuff. And it was like, we were, we were kind of like too early and kind of too late out of time. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it all the Sabbath and Deep Purple, all that kind of stuff, which is, the, you know, the bands we looked up to and stuff like that. And we were kind of in the middle of that. And then things started rolling and everything. And all of a sudden that, you know, all that hair metal stuff started in LA, which was, you know, kind of uh, weird, but, <laughs> you know, just yeah. like down there playing and stuff. So yeah, it's it just, you know, and then, yeah, like you said, it, it's things just kind of evolved from there, and we just kind of like everything just kind of took off, and the new wave of British heavy metal came in and kind of made everything you know metal popular again in a way. So I mean, it never really went away, but it was like really underground, and then it you know it resurfaces again, it goes underground, resurfaces, you know, it's all in cycles. So yeah, anyway, hang yeah. on, I'm gonna put on speakerphone because I got I got our drummer right here, Rob Garvin. So say hello to Mike. Hang on. Hey Mike, hey, how's Rob, it going? Hi. I'm doing great, man. Hey, anybody who owns a Ferrari is all right in my book. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. You got to work. You got to work on it a lot, though. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, I, I'm up to like a Yugo right now. We haven't even gotten up to the midsize cars yet, but we'll get there. Cool. Are we on the air right now? You're on the air live right now. All right. That's cool. Yeah. Well, you know, I was just talking to Tim about the early days of the band. We would say like how to scene, you know, like when the band really first started going, like before the first record. There was really no scene at the time. I mean, you know, it hadn't really taken hold here yet in the U.S. And, you know, when it did come about, it seems like you guys always like the odd man out. I mean, everything started changing, and you guys just never fit into what was going on. Did that affect the band at the time and how it was to get shows and get noticed and get attention? Well, you know, we had some pretty good coverage from uh, some of the magazines, like not necessarily locally, but uh, Krang Magazine uh, and uh, – even the local press like the Los Angeles Times and the Herald Examiner, some of the biggest newspapers in Los Angeles would we play and they'd give us really great reviews. But as you mentioned, like Tim said, we were kind of always, you know, we were always a, a day late and a dollar short. We were, you know, we were too late, you know, too late to grab onto the end of that first heavy metal thing. And then when the hair, hair metal stuff and the speed metal and everything took off, we were still playing that same heavy metal. But I think Tim had a valid point though. We just got back from Germany, the Keep It True Festival over there, and there's like 4,000 people uh, uh, just loving the same kind of music that we play right now, and most of the people in the crowd were under 30, so it was pretty uh, amazing to see that many young people like responding to like the traditional heavy metal that we still play. When you, when you look at it, it is amazing that kids that weren't even born when you guys were out there are there, and I was I was saying to Tim, it's like you know you've reached like this cult like status now, like you you consider like gods in the heavy metal world. That's <laughs> like if those people were there years ago, you guys probably still would have been going at it. When we were in Europe over there, everyone knew every one of our songs. Uh, we ran into a group of like uh, ten guys outside the back door one night, and uh, it looked like kind of like a rough crowd. And I I wasn't worried or anything, but I thought it was going to get like kind of ugly. And the guys, they go, that's Tim Baker. And they all started singing Frost and Fire in unison. And this is like 11 o'clock at night, guys. They probably had Somewhere in Germany, yeah. It was 100 <laughs> beers. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was <laughs> pretty shocking, really. Like you said, I mean, around here, like really nobody knew who we were. But, I mean, we have a pretty good following in Europe, like all these years and stuff. And it's, it was just shocking to see it. You know, you go, we've never been over there before. Like I said, we just went to the Keep It True thing to just, you know, we went over there just to sign autographs and stuff. And, uh it was really shocking to see like the, the support and the, you know, everybody's still like into the van and everything after all these years. Yeah. It but is I think incredible. Like that, it's like, it's, it's the movement too. Uh, half the people we met over there are flying over for this show that we're playing in October. 
And this thing is going to be amazing. It's a three-day festival out here. I'm not sure if Tim talked to you already about it, but I think the first night is almost completely sold out. And so the second night, we're playing the largest venue, and uh, half the people that we met over there said they're coming over, and I think they might have had 700 people already uh, bought tickets for the second night, which is pretty amazing because the concert's months away. Yeah. Uh, people are dying to see you guys live. A lot of us have been waiting a lifetime for this pretty much, and it's going to happen. Uh, besides the two of you, who else is playing with you guys? Is, is Greg back in, and I think Vernon and Jim are also in the band? Well, you know, we're kind of kind of keeping that under wraps to kind of keep it as a surprise ah, okay. for everybody. But, but, you know, I mean, like I said, I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be great. I mean, you know, we're not going to, we're trying hard to like, you know, get things down and everything. So, I mean, it, it won't be disappointing to anybody. And like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's it'll be okay, man. Don't worry. Well, I'm almost sure. all the original members, almost all the original members are in the band. I'm not going to tease you or like let the cat out of the bed, but Greg and Jimmy are playing also too. So. That's going to be amazing, man. I mean, I, I, it's just going to be incredible. And I hope that it's just not going to be a one-off thing, is it? Are you guys going to try to make this happen and, and, and take it further now? Well, we have a pretty big management company and two agents, and uh, that's that's the plan. Hey, uh, Jimmy just came in the room right now. Jimmy, say something, man. Yeah. This is Mike. We're on the air live. Hey, Mike. Man, how you doing? Hey, Jim, what's going on, man? How are you? All right, good. Sweaty, sweaty right now from shit. I can imagine. Like I said, we're like, we just got to we practice and we're like, I know. Yeah, these guys well, are like kind of all like. You, you talk about practicing. The, the first time you guys got into the studio, it was it like riding an old bike and everything sort of coming back to you? Did you really have to work on trying, trying to remember everything and put it back together? Well, well, yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, it is kind of like riding a bike. I mean, you know, but I mean, really what we did, we just sat down and like, you know, went back and listened to the records, you know, and just, you know, Oh, we did that there. Oh shit. You know, Oh, we did this there. Okay. So no, I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, everybody kind of knew what they were, you know, kind of remembered the stuff and it took a few times to get it, you know, where it sounded like, like it should, you know, but I mean, it's coming along pretty good. So I think it'll be okay. <laughs> well, that's good to know. I mean, you guys you go back to the early days of the band. A lot of people uh, you know, have heard about you guys through metal blade records, uh, was Metal Blade a cursing or a blessing in disguise when you look back on it now? Well, it, the weird thing is, is uh, they only really did one record, I, if I remember right. The rest of them, I mean, we, it, it's just such a weird story. I mean, we, we were on like a, a couple of weird like independent things which were related to distributors that had Metal Blade and everything like that. And then we went, we, you know, I mean, really in, in retrospect, we should have done all our records on Metal Blade. You know, I mean, in reality, instead of like doing what we did, but like I said, the first record was kind of on like one thing and we kind of decided to stay with them. Metal Blade was just starting everything like that. So it's just weird the way everything worked out. But like I said, I mean, we really should have done them all on Metal Blade. And, and we, you know, who knew, you know, who knew they were going to be like so big, gigantic, you know what I mean? And, and you know, Brian knew that, but I mean, you know, it, you know, so it just kind of, like, things just kind of worked out really weird the way about that. So, and like I said, I mean, it, it's, it's good and it's bad, but I mean, you know, they certainly are, are doing good by us. I mean, just keeping everything out there and, you know, keeping the catalog alive and everything like that. I mean, if it wasn't for them putting the records and stuff like that out, you know, there wouldn't be anything to, for people to, you know, even listen to out there. So we got to thank them for that. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, the Service of Chaos record came out, uh, over 10, maybe 15 years ago by now. And that had a lot oh of Oh, my God, really? in here at the time. Yeah, it's like 15 years since that record came out. Oh, God, that's crazy, man. And it was a compilation of a lot of stuff people never heard before and demo outtakes. 
I mean, did you feel like at that point in time when maybe you couldn't get, were you trying to get the band back together around that point in time? Or did you say, let's put this out there and give it one last shot? No, I don't think so. You know what? Uh, I really didn't have that much to do with that. I mean, it was like, well, you know what? Let me let, 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 let Rob explain that here. Hang on. He just asked about the reason for a servant to chaos. Correct. Uh, okay. Here, here's what happened. A band had been broken up, and the guys in Germany, once again, the German Metal Blade, uh, the, the, the the part of Metal Blade Records in Germany, they're uh, separate but equal. Yeah, but they're, they're subsidiary. The guy over there at the time, you know, uh, Michael wanted us to uh, do something. He goes, let's put on another record. Let's do something. Do you have any old stuff? And um, we had a bunch of old tapes. And what was really sad is a lot of the old Ampex tapes, they're starting to deteriorate so badly the plan was for us to try to get all these tapes and have them like digitized before uh, they disintegrated and is lost to history. So me and Greg kind of uh, talked about it for a while. And, you know, I, I'm not sure I got much buy-in from like everyone in the band, but my reasons for trying to get some of the stuff out there was just try to provide some of like the back history on the band that people that liked the band so much, they'd actually hear some of the earlier stuff that they're probably never going to hear again. Uh, the, the good news is they, when they end up re-releasing it, they put out the DVD with us playing at the... Uh, uh, I can't remember where it was. To, it's, it's a country club. It was like a show we played in Los Angeles. And, you know, we never had a very good professional video made ever, to be honest. Uh, well, we had one, but that's secret. No one knows about it. But, uh, <laughs> but that, at least that live video, uh, it came out pretty good. And, and the reason it actually sounds halfway decent is we had a cassette tape off the board we every time we played, we'd always give the uh, the guy doing the uh, uh, mixing console a cassette tape and say, "Hey, tape tape the show for us," because we'd play it back like a football team might watch a video to see whether they met where they messed up or whatever, right? Well, so it turns out we had a video and then we had a cassette that matched together, and this guy who's a genius out here actually, you know, somehow synced it up because it was pretty uh, amazing how he got the vocals, you know, and the drums and everything down with the video to have it all match. But yeah, I think. That right there, there's still there's still a few videos out there most people haven't seen, and we're going to try to roll them out over the next year or so, um, professionally somehow. Uh, yeah, hopefully we can do another. Yeah, we can yeah somehow get them out there somehow. I don't know how yet, but we're going to try to work on that. So. And I, I can't speak for everyone in the band, but I want to do another record. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind we have we have a we have some new songs that we've written, and we also have a couple of old songs that we'd like to you know do them in the studio and have them come out. Uh, you know, a little bit heavier, so. Oh, that'd be great. Because, I mean, the, the last actual studio record was Paradise Lost. And if I remember from back in the day, you guys never really seemed to be too happy about that album. Maybe just the whole era, everything that was going on at that time in the band. Yeah, you know, there's there's some really good stuff. It was kind of a weird transition period there. Um, like you said, I mean, if you look on the, the liner notes, we had a couple other guys in the band. They weren't in for very long and stuff like that. And uh, But, I mean, some of the stuff, I mean, like the the... the Paradise Lost Trilogy, of course, is like probably one of the greatest things we ever did, uh, you know, and uh, there's a couple other good songs on there. So, I mean, it, it sounds good. I mean, there's some really good stuff on there. I mean, over the years, you kind of go and go, well, you know, I mean, at first it was the way it was done was like, you know, kind of we didn't really like the way it was done and everything like that. But, you know, over the years, I mean, I've, we've come to like, you know, accept like, you know, it is what it is. So, I mean, you know, there's some good stuff on there. There's some bad stuff on there. But I mean, you know. I hope I, the good stuff outweighs the bad. I got to jump in here because uh, I recently, I, I did like 400 interviews panning that album, and especially the producer guy, because he kind of 
he made us play it with the play or me play the drums of the click track for any of the other members came in. So it's no secret. I've done like all these interviews saying how horrible I thought it was, but in retrospect, um, listen back to the album and, and meeting a lot of our fans. Some of our fans think that that's our best record uh, that we did. And there are some bad songs on there. And those were songs necessarily that we wouldn't have put on there if it wasn't for having these other members that were in the band when we lost a few members that left. Um, but I will tell you the highlight of the whole album is the three trilogy songs. And not only that is the Jimmy, Jim Braza playing the lead guitars on all those parts is just epic. I mean, it just, uh, and uh, I will tell you this, it's like, you know, a lot of the fans said, whatever you do, you got to play those three trilogy songs and, you know, we're listening to them. So, Oh, that's going to be great. Well, you know, I mean, like today, it's kind of normal to have like a five, six-year gap between records. But back in the 80s, it was every year, every other year, a band put a record out. And there was a big gap between One Foot and Hell and Paradise Lost, about five or six years, I think, if I remember correctly. And a lot changed between like 86 and like 91 uh, in the music scene. You know, did that kind of affect the way things were going too? Yeah, but you know what happened on that? Almost every one of our albums was semi-self-funded, you know? We never Yeah, there was like a big gap between every one of them, really. Yeah, and yeah. but the biggest giant thing between Paradise Lost was, okay, we re-signed with, uh, the first company we signed with, uh, Green World, turned into Enigma. Then they turned into Restless. And while they were in Restless, they moved their headquarters, and they changed management. A lot of stuff went on. So we were actually, we were ready to do that album. In like 88 or something, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, several years before it actually came out. And then they, they're the ones that actually held it up. And and because it was drug on so long, that's that's how we lost a couple of the members in the band. I mean, we lost Jerry. We, we lost uh, Flint. And so we're scrambling around to get a couple other members. And we, we, we found a couple of guys, and the deal was, hey, they go, we'll play on the album if you let us play one of your our songs on there, you know, and that's, I don't have to point those out to you. And they're, they're, I mean, they're not horrible, horrible songs, but there aren't necessarily what songs that we would have put on there if we got, got a chance. But I will tell you this, uh, the songs that we're playing off of there, we're going to do them justice and we're going to make sure that, you know, anyone that likes the band and likes that album isn't disappointed in how we portray those songs. Uh, I'm I'm sure of that, guys. But uh, after the Paradise Laws, when did you guys feel like you know you had enough that it was time to just call it a day and pack it in? Was it a mutual decision, or was it just things just fell apart at that point in time? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like I said, things things were there was no internet then, like you, like we talked about before. I mean, there was really not that much support for the band here in the states and stuff like that, and and it just kind of like you said, it just did kind of just fall apart. I mean, we really had no we didn't really have the money to go out and do a, like a mount a big tour. And, uh, you know, we didn't really have the support to like, you know, get on like with anybody else out there. And like they said, with the, the transition with the other guys, those other guys we had there at the time, and they kind of like, you know, went their separate ways and everything. So, I mean, it just kind of came down to like, we just said, you know, it's about time to like to end this right now. So, and you know, it's just weird. Like you said, like over the years that things just kind of like pick back up and like due to the internet and like, you know, the bootlegs and the, and the tribute albums and, and stuff like that. I mean, things have just kind of kept, kept going over the years. So, I mean, we're glad about that, but yeah, I think just kind of fell apart at that time and, and there was, we didn't really see any reason to keep going at that time. Yeah. Was, I mean, at that point in time, I mean, you almost had 20 years into the band. I mean, since it started, maybe a little less than that, but was it a hard decision to make? Was it, or was it actually easy to walk away from? Was like, a, was, was it a relief when you kind of called it a day or was it just hard to do that? No, it was horrible. And I'll tell you what's funny. You'll crack up at this. Me and Tim and Jimmy were sitting in here uh, in the recording studio where we recorded Frost and Fire, King of the Dead, 
most of uh, that's where we are right now. Yeah. Foot in hell wow. and paradise lost. So we're actually sitting, and we're actually this is that's that's this is kind of where we're practicing, and, and we're like 50 feet from where the band, our old band room was, where we decided to break up. And no, it was it was horrible. It was anguishing, but at the time. Our record company was, we were kind of getting screwed over so bad by them. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, we were literally. Well, that's, see, that's why earlier I said we should have we should have just had everything on Metal Blade, probably. But like I said, we kind of went back and forth with like Green World, Enigma, Restless, Metal Blade. And it was just kind of, you know, everything just kind of like steamrolled into like, you know, not everything just kind of like there was too many, too much shit going on to like get anything going so it's kind of a weird decision we just you know well, we had to end it not only that things were changing like down in los angeles we played every major club down there matter of fact if you ever watch richard Pryor live on the sunset strip as they're driving down the sunset strip our name is up on the marquee of the whiskey go-go it's kind of a, a, a like cool, weird yeah but it's still kind of a cool thing and we were standing outside <laughs> yeah. when they drove by and actually filmed the movie uh but the clubs actually went from a thing where you used to go down there and try to talk him into you know, let us play, and like we go down there. Matter of fact, there's another ba- uh, old story. Most people, it's hard to believe, but we actually went down. And we saw Rush play at the Whiskey Go Go, and there was no one there except for us band members. And a, a buddy of ours in Canada said, "Hey, you got to go check out this band from Canada. They're really good." And and he said, "Well, we're going to go down anyway, trying to you know score a gig at the Whiskey, so we'll go see them." We went and saw them, and they were fantastic. But we, you know, we got backstage because we there was only three of us there in the crowd. So we, and, should, we should have went on tour with Rush. Yeah. No, but I mean, that was like, that's back before. Obviously, I mean, who can say that, uh, we, same thing, we saw Van Halen once play uh, where we were the only people in the room, and it was just kind of like weird. But, it's, just, it's, a, it's just a matter of support and like, you know, how things work out for certain bands. I mean, like, like I said, I mean, it was just the luck of the draw that we just never got going, you know, any kind of like support and everything like that. But, you know, hopefully it's, it's all changing now, so hopefully, you know, this uh, Frost and Fire Festival will go over good, and then we'll, you know, we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, I didn't finish my point, though. Like, when the band almost broke up, though, it had changed in Los Angeles so bad that the clubs were actually having, like, five or ten bands play, like, every Friday or Saturday, but they'd make the bands actually pay to play. Like, you'd have to throw down, like, several thousand dollars just to play, yeah. you know, and to us, that was, like, you know, that was beneath... I mean, we'd play for free and get ripped off, but we weren't going to, like... Pay to get ripped yeah, off. Yeah, we gonna, <laughs> I mean, added, added the record company fucking us over. Or screw, I mean... You can say he's on the internet. Yeah, you can call us on the internet. Okay, I'm sorry, but I should be more polite. Record company screwing us over. <laughs> you know, the lack of places to play. And then also, uh, like Tim mentioned, the hair thing was going on, and it was brutal for us. I mean, you know, we we played once with Rat, and I think they had like 15 dressing rooms, and we were in a broom closet, you know, and they were like putting on <laughs> eyeshadow and makeup, and we were just trying to find a place where we could like tune the guitars up. And so I mean, yeah, it just fun, we didn't man. we didn't really fit in with that whole uh, that whole time. I mean, we were. But what here's what's amazing though: the heavy metal that we play now, and it Black Sabbath started, and and, and Jimi Hendrix, and and you know, you go back to Cream, or you go back even before that, all the black blues guys from the South that started. You know all the, th- the the blues that turned into rock and roll there's still a steady lineage and stream that you can draw a direct line from like an evolution of what we're playing today and what other bands are still playing so that that i think that's what makes me feel good as long as there's some form of heavy metal traditional form of heavy metal still out there and people listening to i think that uh it things are me, cool yeah, yeah it makes me feel like the, the the world is still you know hadn't spun out of com- uh, death of the sun yet hasn't happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we still, we're still living on a doomed planet, though. We're, 
Absolutely. Well, well, you know, over the last 20-something years, I mean, you've heard so many rumors about the group, and, you know, most of them, you can't believe anything you hear on the internet, but you've heard members say that they would never get back with the band, they would never do it again. Other guys saying, I regret leaving and, you know, breaking up the band or not being a part of the band or quitting too early. And it just seems that it all managed to work out. But were there times over the last 20 years where you tried to reunite as many of the original members as you could of the group to do something or was this the first time you really sat down and said, hey, let's let's do it now. Now's, now's the right time. Hey, I, I've heard that I'm dead, too. On the internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, as far as, like, in, in any serious effort to get everything back together, I think this is right around now. It's, probably, it's the only really serious effort that we ever made. Like I said, it just it just seemed like, like I said, after the, after the, the festival last year and the response to that, and you know the, the all the stuff on the internet and everything, and and the you know the the constant people like just going, oh man, when are you gonna do something? When are you gonna do something? I mean, you know, we're all getting kind of older, except for Jimmy, of course. But <laughs> so I mean, it's it, 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 this thing like it was time to kind of you know just actually see if we could actually do it. And I think you know, like I said, we're the only reason why we're, we actually decided to do it is you know we got together a few times and decided, hey, you know, we don't want to come out and just like ruin whatever legacy we may or may not have out there. You know what I mean? And, and look like a bunch of old idiots coming out there just trying to like, you know, pound like, you know, some like crap down people's throats or whatever. I mean, we yeah. want to like, try to do justice to what we did then. And I think we're going to, you know, like I said, it's, we've got a lot of the original guys here and we all, you know, we kind of, we've been going at it here for, you know, for quite a few months now. So, I mean, I think things will be good. And like I said, we don't really, really want to, we didn't really want to ruin the, you know, anybody's, if, if it wasn't going to sound good, we weren't going to do it at all. You know what I mean? Because we didn't want to, like, ruin our legacy or whatever, like I said, like we, we may or may not have. Hey, to answer your question, is, and Tim did, but no, we never, ever did. And the only thing that got me even thinking, because I'm the guy, I swore that I'd never touch another pair of drumsticks as long as there were scumbags in the music business. <laughs> and one of my oh, buddies goes, it. boy, this could be, <laughs> that's going to be that's, forever. That's going to be hard to get out of that one. But, uh, okay. There's a band. There's a band from our town, Ventura Night Demon. And as a matter of fact, they're leaving Tuesday, going tour of Europe. They just came back from a whole tour of the United States. And uh, 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 what city are you in? We're in New York City. Okay. Well, I think yeah. they 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 played in New York probably yeah. in the last month or so. Anyway, so they're going over to Europe in uh, uh, next Tuesday. But uh, Jarvis Leatherby, he's their bass player. He's Every year he'd come back from tour in Europe. He'd say, "Rob, he goes, hey man, these guys over there, they love your band. They got, you know, your stickers and patches on their jackets." And, you know, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." What? I, I didn't really believe him, but he put on this festival last year here in our hometown, and it was only a one day event. But four or five hundred people flew from outside the country over here just to meet, you know, Greg and Tim and me and Jimmy, you know, and Flint. Everyone was all there. We're all signing autographs and people are talking to us, and. Um, uh, several people said, you know, you guys need to get back together. And there were some pretty hardcore offers like this Frost and Fire Festival 2 that we're playing in October on the table. And, you know, we sat down and we thought about it and we decided, hey, you know what, if we're going to do it, let's do it now because 10 yeah. years from now we ain't going to be able to. You know, we're going to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you make me feel old now. <laughs> yeah, but I will tell you this, and I, I'm going to uh, cop exactly what Tim said, you know, if, if, if it wasn't going to sound good, we weren't going to do it. And we're, you know, we're beating ourselves to death in here so that when we get on stage, people are, are they're going to be surprised. I think a lot of people go look at 
lot of the older bands that get back together and they're playing and they're doing okay. But I think we're going to be playing better than we did when we were together originally. I mean, that's my prediction. So. I'm sure it's going to sound great, man. I wish I can get out to California and see you guys, but I got a feeling you're going to be doing a lot more shows uh, in, in, in the upcoming you know, months. And uh, I'm hoping that one of them could be here in the East Coast, in the New York City area. It would be amazing to see you guys live. It would be like a dream come true after listening to your music for almost 30 years. Well, what? you know what? That's, that's our dream, too, is to play you know, in Europe and to play more places in, this, in the United States. And I think New York City would be, like, number two on our list after Los Angeles, so. I'm hoping that it happens. But, guys, I'm not going to keep you. I know you're busy. I know you're rehearsing and you have a lot going on. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time out to talk with me today. That festival appearance is going to kill. Those people out there are so lucky that they're going to get to see you guys play live. Don't don't forget to plug it. It's October 7th, 8th, and 9th, and it's here in Ventura, California. You're plugging it right now, Rob. It's a piano. Yeah. Ventura, it's a we beautiful talk- seaside town. You can actually, yep. from where we're playing, you can actually walk in five minutes. You can actually be on the sands of the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Hey, Mike, thanks a lot, man, for this. Hey, uh, thank you, guys. Really appreciate, uh, really appreciate it. Sorry it took so long to get to, to get, get this, like, set up. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I know I, like, kind of like, was flaking <laughs> for a couple of times. But, I mean, I'm, I'm glad we finally got together. And, like, hey, let, let's, uh, you know, let's do this again, like, you know, closer to the festival. And then, you know, we can get a you know, couple, of, couple of the other guys here and we can all get involved in the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, Jarvis is on the show all the time. I'll talk to him. Maybe we'll get everybody on here. We'll do a big thing. Right on. You got it, guys. Have a great day. Take care. All right, Mike. Thanks, okay. Mike. Keep it heavy. All right, we will. All right. Sarah's Uncle, one of my all-time favorite bands. Man, I tell you, I should have went out to California. It would have been well worth the trip to see them live. But I got a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot more of the band in the upcoming months and years. So let's get on a tune called The Little Fire. <laughs>
All right, Jungle with War Eternal. I want to thank all the guys for taking a few minutes out of their Sunday afternoon rehearsal to talk with us. We did try for a long time, Tim and I, to set this up, uh, but it finally happened, and I'm glad for that. And uh, I will do my best to get those guys to New York City. Uh, he Wang, the promoter for the Defenders of All Festival, seems to be back in the USA. Uh, I, I guess it's kind of too late for a festival this year. Uh, but maybe we will have one in 2017. And if he does, I am going to force his hand into getting Sarah's uncle on the bill. We'll see how that all plays out. All right, we got Derek Brumley of Conquest in about 10 minutes or so. We'll get on a couple more tunes between now and then. Uh, you know, I I kind of like that last in line record when it came out, but like the more I play it now, the actually less I like it. It just sounds too modern and too alternative as I'm starting to go through more and more of the songs and play them. And I don't know, it's just, I kind of did a whole 360 on that record, like, after, like the first week. Uh, but Dio Disciples, the band that was formed to kind of uh, pay tribute to Ronnie and basically just go out there and make money playing you know, the old Dio songs. They actually played a new song called Till the End of Time at some show last week. And I want to say it was a Rip and Oni on vocals. Uh, or ripping someone else's singer on there. They, I don't know if it's meant to be where all the singers are performing it, or just because it was that benefit and they were all out there. They all kind of took a part doing a verse, but it actually sounded really, really good. And when we had Craig Goldie on the show, he told me he had written a couple of new songs uh, that he was going to run by Wendy and see how they panned out, and he kind of wanted to get them recorded. And I have to tell you, if the rest of the songs sound like this or uh, in that vein, this sounds more like the classic Dio sound than the stuff Last in Line is doing, and that was the whole point of you know, kind of both bands. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to hearing more of that. I'm going to give Craig a call this week and uh, spend getting back on the show. Uh, maybe in July, uh, we can talk more about that. Uh, he's a real nice guy, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Also, Banshee, they were supposed to play at Rocklahoma. Uh, you know, George Cole's been on a tear over the new Omen record. If you follow him on Facebook, uh, we have Kenny Powell from Omen on the show, uh, June 19th. Uh, that's Father's Day, actually. Uh, Kenny will be on here that day. Uh, Banshee was supposed to perform at Rocklahoma. It looks like Terry Dunn called up and canceled, I guess, a couple of days or the week before the actual performance. Never told the rest of the band members that the show was canceled. Then the band went on hiatus, which means they kind of broke up again. And I have to be honest with you, I haven't been crazy about the band since the 80s. I mean, they were more like a, a semi-hair metal, power metal band back then. When that last record, I don't even remember if it came out. Uh, I really didn't care for the record at all. It just sounded too alternative, and I don't know. It was just something about it. It didn't sound like Banshee at all in any way, shape, or form, but the band broke up. So I guess that's good news for Omen because George is probably going to direct his anger towards <laughs> Banshee in the coming days uh, if that's the way it goes because I hear that Terry's playing out a solo record right now. So we'll have to see what happens with all of that, uh, see how that plays out. But it should be pretty funny, I think. All right, let's get on some Tank, Blood, Guts, and Tears.
Conquest have a brand new record out covering some of the classic heavy metal songs out there in the world. We'll get on a tune from one. We'll get a tune from that record on after the interview. Uh, but let me see if I can dig something up off the last Conquest Conquest record. Getting all tongue tied here tonight. We're getting towards the end of the show. That's probably why. And uh, we'll do the interview right after that. So here's Tyrant of the New World. Hey, Derek, this is Mike. How are you? 
Hey, Mike, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. How's everything going your way? Not too bad, not too bad. Just left the recording studio, actually. Ah, well, that's good news. I mean, you got the record out now that you're kind of promoting, but is this a brand-new original studio record? You're exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, that's going to be great, man. But but I have to tell you, I, I love Under the Influence. It, it, was, it sort of reminds me of the old-school days. You kind of went back to the roots of the band and what you kind of grew up with and what you were influenced by, and, and you really did a great job in putting this album together. Oh, I appreciate that, man. It's, I've had mixed feelings. You know, I've got the people who say, oh, man, you didn't change it at all. Or, oh, man, you didn't do this. Or, oh, man, you did that. I go, you know what? It's, how we're at, it's where we came from. Um, we did the best we could do with it on our versions of those songs. And that's all I was trying to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Well, well, that's what you did. I mean, you stood with the classics, you know, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, UFO, Motley Crue. And, you know, you did justice to their songs. Uh, but you guys were doing this for a while with your live show anyway. You had this whole live thing going on where you're doing these great cover tunes. Yeah, you know, with all the tribute bands out there and so forth, you know, let's face it, you know, bands like Conquest that never got to that that upper tier of anything um, when it comes to the, the gigs, you know, you go out and you play, you play, you play, you, you know, you get on some of the good tours and all that. But then when, in between all that and you're trying to book your own gigs and you're trying to get some type of real money so you can travel and make it worth your, your, your time, um, all these tribute shows. So we started goofing around with a thing called a tribute to the metal gods, where at the end of our set, a regular set, we throw a couple of the covers on there. Well, then after it got going for a while, and people would start requesting more. You know, we've learned a few other ones, and we started having fun with it. And then it just snowballed, talking to the record label one day, and I was like, man, all these tribute bands. And he goes, you know, everybody's making tribute records and cover records, too. And I go, well, you pay for it, I'll make it. So they yeah. paid for it, and I made it. <laughs> hey, it doesn't get as simpler than that, right? <laughs> true that, true that. Yeah, so. yeah. But does that, in a way, I mean, it's great because, you know, these are the songs that we all grew up on, you know, bands that we idolized. And most of the songs we learned to play for the first time when we were learning our instruments as we were kids. I mean, but does it frustrate you as an artist and as a musician that you kind of have to, like, do covers to make money where you write such great original tunes and albums? Boy, it does, Mike. It really bums me out that, you know, 25 years later, you know, eight, nine full, you know, eight full-length studio records and, and I'm and I'm and I'm worried about um, you know, recording cover cover records so that I can help put people in the room. We just played last Friday night and Saturday night over in uh, Illinois, Chicago area. You know, I'm out of St. Louis, so that's a, about a four-hour haul for me. And then we came back and we ended up at Pops on Friday night, which is in Sauge, Illinois. Um, and you know, we did six six seven hundred people. And you know, it's it's and I hate to say it we didn't do the tribute thing, there'd be 300 people. Oh, like, oh, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? You do what you do. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, the last, the last original record, the war we raised from about three years ago, I, I just, yep. I think it took the band to a whole new level. I mean, you can see the progression since the late eighties where the band's been going and you've had a really, you know, you've had a pretty consistent lineup over the last seven or eight years. And it kind of shows on the yep. last record. Yeah. You know, um, the war we raised was a strong record. It was easy to make, um, the band was firing on all cylinders. We had no, you know, no no drama or anything like that. So it was a fun record. It took a little while because we, we tracked some songs and we pitched some songs and wrote some more songs. That kind of thing. But uh, really fun record. And when it got done, I was very, very proud of it. Yeah, you did a great job on it, I have to say. I mean, you and Tim have been with this thing since the beginning pretty much. 
I mean, and then you got Mike and uh, and Joey in there. Been with you guys for a while now. Have things gelled to the point now where you feel like you can kind of rely on this lineup to keep going? Yeah, actually, Joey's not with us. Uh, Rob Boyer's oh, playing base. Yeah, Rob's been with us for about four years now, too. Joey left. Joey was truly a tech who filled in between the, the base. You know, he was a base tech, you know. So he knew the parts or whatever. He jumped up and played. But um, he really wasn't a good base player. So, so he's my buddy, <laughs> but he wasn't very good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Rob, Rob used to play with us back in the 80s, and uh, I called him up and said, hey, man, I know you can play. I know you've been in all these cover bands and all that, you know, late, and you want to get back in a real band and do some real things, and, you know, before we get too old to do anything. And he was like, man, I so do. I've been dicking up with this crap over here and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so he came back in, and Rob's a great bass player. He's a finger player, and he, and he plays a lot like Tony, my old bass player, for a long time. He was with the root of the band when it comes to the bass playing. And uh, Rob plays with his fingers. So we got that vibe back again that we love, you know. So when we did the War We Rage, man, he, he came in and he brought so much of the original vibe back to the band that we liked. And it just really snowballed from there. So now, yeah. you know, we're four years later and we're getting ready to track this new record, man. And I can't wait for you to hear that, Mike, because you're going to love it. You're going to love it. I got total confidence in it. So looking forward to that. I'm sure it's going to be great. I mean, I remember getting that first demo tape back in, like, 88, you know, with the Dark House on right. of the Night. Uh, and, I mean, right. I was like, wow, these guys are phenomenal. But then, like, it, it seems like, you know, because the thing I started towards the later end of the 80s, it seems that before you could really build up momentum, you know, the whole scene in general just kind of crashed and burned a few years later. Oh, without a doubt. We were up in New York, um, your area, your territory, um, uh, with Monty Connors from Roadrunner doing bullshit about, you know, trying to get it you know, get a gig going, and, and bottom line was, is, according to him, at that point, we were past A, you know, the, the, the whatever posters were down, and it was time for the alternative world, you know what I mean, so, yeah, um, that's just, that's the draw, and when you live in the Midwest, man, I gotta tell you, you know, you, you bounce around to the coast, and you do things like that, but we're always last, <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just the way it <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, like back in the 80s, I mean, it was important to kind of like where the band was located was really important. I mean, if you're out on the West Coast, you know, in L.A. or in New York, there were thriving scenes. There was enough to keep bands busy. But how was it in the Midwest, yep. out in the middle of the country? Was it hard? It was real hard, man. I mean, you had two or three places to play, and then you had to drive 300 miles if you wanted to play anywhere else. So um, yeah. it, real, it, it ain't like going up the East Coast or up the West Coast. It's just not um, those things more than one time, and, and we just go, oh, wow, oh, you know, you only got to drive 15 minutes and you're a whole other vibe, you know what I mean? Well, that's not how much here in the Midwest. You got a couple rooms in a, in a 20-mile radius, 30-mile radius, and then good luck, you're going to drive for a while if you want to play again. So um, that's just the way it goes in the Midwest. Yeah. I mean, for live shows, that is important, I guess, where you're located, because you want to play for a crowd. You don't want to travel eight hours, you know, every other day for, for a show. But as far as getting your music right. out and heard, is that better today? Obviously, the Internet allows you to do so. It's, it's, it's a catch-22. You know, you don't make no money because of the Internet with music hardly anymore. But definitely, you put something out, and the whole world knows about it fairly quick. So um, yeah. that part of it's cool. That's neat and everything. And, and, again, right around here right now, there's kind of a resurgence of 80s metal, you know, done in tribute world, but um, is a resurgence. And since we've been around the Midwest for as long as we have, our fan base is pretty broad. What I mean by that is, you know, we got 
50-year-olds and we got 20-year-olds. You know what I mean? Um, so we're one of the few in this area that can, you know, based upon our name, can still fill a room without excessive amount of marketing or so forth. So we're blessed that way. But, again, it's still a lot of work, you know. And then the, the pay, nobody wants to pay anything anymore. You know, when you go, like, like last night at the food bar in here in St. Louis was was prong, right? Well, I played with prong I don't know how many times. Um, and the club calls me and says, hey, Derek, you know, will you, will you open the show? And I'm like, sure, 400 bucks. And he's like, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, for Conquest in St. Louis, you can't do 400 bucks for, for a 40-minute set, then I ain't coming. You know what I mean? Just that stuff. Yeah. So I lose the opportunity where when we were kids, we would have said, oh, we're playing with the prong show. We'll come for a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? But those days are over for me. And um, so, yeah, it just sucks that way. That's the world we're living in. But that's the world we're living in. So, you know, and I know those guys are hurt. It's amazing because it boggles my mind because, you know, like you said, when you were young, you didn't mind playing for free for a beer because you just wanted to get up on stage and play and get your music heard. And as you get older and you want to make a living out of it, the music industry collapsed on itself with the people, you know, downloading illegally. But it just seems like it's affecting music. And I can't, I can't say it's the industry itself. I mean, I mean, I can't speak for club owners how you get paid for a club, but I mean, you don't see Brad Pitt making movies for free and people can easily download a movie, you know, off the internet like they can if they bought a ticket in the theater. The same thing with anything else. What happened with music? Well, all of a sudden, nobody wants to pay and buy things. It just seems like it's the music industry. Well, again, you know, I don't know where you're at in, in your politics, but because we're so, so free love, give everything away, everybody does everything, we're all equal, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> really? really? What yeah. happened to rock stars? What happened to people who are in their stripes? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You get that old with everybody else, so I don't. You know, I don't, I don't have no crystal ball, Mike. I just feel like that you spend, what, a half a year, a year making a record, and then you put it out, and, and, and everybody goes, oh, that's cool. Next. You know what I mean? I mean, yep. it's just it's, the world we true. live in. It's crazy. It I mean, is. I mean, I'll walk out the door. I'll come back with kids like, where'd you go? I say, hey, you know, I went to Best Buy to go buy a CD. They're like, hey, Dad, I click a button. Let's just get it right here for free. I'm like, that's not how I do things. I said, I've always bought them. I would say, I get, I get music for free because of the radio show, and I still buy the CDs because that's my way of supporting the band. If you don't buy it, you're not going to get anything in the future. Then you're going to bitch, well, how come Conquest has put out a new record? Because you didn't buy the last one. You I, took it for free. <laughs> you know, what is, it's cheaper than a, a coffee at Starbucks today, an album. You know, you're, 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 you're right on board. I mean, it's exactly right. It's pathetic. It's all those things all at one time when, when the, you know, kids, they don't understand because everything has been given to them. Um, but, you know, you remember when we were kids, man, when you'd, you'd hear, you'd read circus, our hit creator, and you'd see somebody coming out with a record. Well, the day that, that record came out, you were at that record store, and you've only heard 30 seconds of something, you know what I mean? But you bought that whole record, you know what I mean? And because you love that band, and you can't wait to get in there and see what's going on. Well, today, the kids, you know, what's the hit? That's all I'm worried about is that one song. You know, so I don't know. It's insane. And you know, how many records did we buy back then? Just because the album cover looked cool, we didn't even hear. We didn't even hear the band. You never heard a song by it, but that, that had a great album cover. I'm buying that record just by the album cover. It's like a piece of art. Oh, you got it right. Remember, uh, the Dungeons are calling sabotage. Yep. <laughs> yep. I walked in, seen that album cover, so I'm buying this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and yeah. bam, and and I'm. I'm a huge Sabotage fan still to this day. So, you know, it's one of those things. 
That's the way we did it. I remember going to my local record store, and the two new records that week was the Queen's Right EP and the Slayer. I said, the Slayer album cover looks better because the Queen's Right just had the name on there. I said, I'll get my money's worth. I get yeah. the picture. <laughs> That's how we did it. That's right. how we did it, man. You know, you look at the Slayer, you saw the album cover, you said, I'm buying it. You know, you didn't even think twice. Now, yeah. you know, they're all worried. It's just, it's just, I wish we could go back to Booksity, man, because we're, we're really missing the music business. Absolutely. I mean, hopefully things can pick up and turn around. I mean, a lot of bands are doing like the GoFundMe now and, and like, you know, to raise the money that way. Uh, is, that, is that like an option for the band is getting people to contribute money, then getting a copy? It's sort of like owning your own record store in a way. <laughs> You're just selling the records by getting the money in advance. I'm probably not a beggar, so I, I would have a hard time doing that, man. I'm, a, I'm just one of the old school people that believe you get what you, what you earn, you know? So I probably wouldn't be able to do that. I have no problem with you know, when they, when, the, when they do the uh, preempt record sales and, you know, like early before anybody else is going to buy it and, and you try to generate revenue that way. We do that every record, so we got a little bit of upfront money when we go to do a little traveling, you know what I mean? But again, yeah, I got to say, man, it's just a different world. You know, when we used to sell 20,000 records and they call it, we, they, they tell us we were nobody. Now, if we sell 20,000 records, I'm fucking happy. <laughs> I know. But it's like that for every band at every level today. Nobody is selling. Just as many people get uh, have the records, they're just not selling them that way. They're getting them for free. If you counted every illegal download, bands would probably be giving, getting selling just as many copies. Uh, the numbers would be the same, just that they're not being paid for. That's the only difference today. Right. Nobody's paying for it. They're just downloading it. Yep. That's yeah. right. And, you know, I've yeah. even had kids tell me that. Mike, I've had kids tell me, they go, oh, I ain't buying it, man. I'll download it for free. I'm like, come on, man. Buy my record. You know, like at a show or something. I go, hey, over there tonight, ten bucks. What shirt, ten bucks? CD, ten bucks. Doesn't matter. Everything's ten bucks. Try to run a sale and sell, you know, sell some stuff. And uh, oh man, I'm just gonna download it, man. I'm like, cool. You gonna go buy it on iTunes? No, man. I'm just gonna download it, like you little fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's unbelievable. Yeah, Derek. Going back to the, the earlier days. I mean, the band spent a couple of years, you know, making their bones, playing on demo tapes. Wicked Way finally comes out around '93. Uh, it's right after the Black Album. Metal was still kind of like, you know, relevant back then. You know, the grunge was, you know, starting to take over alternative music. But was it difficult trying to get the attention or get any notice with that record, being that it was right that cuff where things were about to change right at that time? Like I told you, speaking with quite a few labels back then, um, trying to, you know, get something. That's exactly what you just said. It's exactly right. By the time we got done with the record, everything that we were doing was gone. So, um, you know, we, it came out, I don't remember who put it out to be honest with you. Um, was that, that might've been gutter records. I don't remember, but it came out and it didn't do anything. Did very little, um, as far as, you know, sales or anything like that, did very little and people snubbed us for the most part. Cause again, we were loud and aggressive and, and, and at that time a little, a little mainstream if you would, but, um, but totally directed towards the eighties hard rock heavy metal and, and it just, you know, let's face it, Nirvana was king. And we, and I hated that stuff. I hated it, man. I yeah. hated the, the half the half stuff on me. I hated that stuff. So for me, it was a big shot in the foot, which turned me back around and made me write re- heavier records, basically. And I started demoing with the uh, Killing Time stuff. Um, and then we eventually made a full-length record, the Rage record, which came out over in Europe through... Uh, um, what were those guys? Uh, I'm drawing a blank on. But, well, one of those European small labels. 
Um, Which one are you talking about? The Rage Record? Yeah, the Rage Record. Oh, that was uh, Unisound, I think. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Go on the blank. Go on the blank. Um, but anyway, and, and, and it did okay over there. And, our, you know, we got our first check from those guys and everything. And then, you know, they never sent me another check. So, you know, unless you want to fill them, <laughs> good luck, you know. Yeah. Yep. Well, I have to tell you, one of my favorite records was probably the Damnation record from back. It was 2001 or 2002 around that time. I just love that record. I don't know what it is about that album. And that was a demo. <laughs> that was really? a demo. That was, that was never meant to be released. I don't even know how it got out, to be honest with you. Um, uh, one of the guys in the band, I think, put it out there. You know, I didn't know much about computers and all that back then. I was, you know, not very much involved in it and so forth. And Somebody did that to me, and it got out. But um, if you go look at on, on the – speaking of that, on the War We Rage, like Get Off My Back, which was on that damnation, is on the, on that record. Um, yeah. A couple songs a couple songs was reworked and pulled off of there. Um, it was a cool demo. I agree. It had a lot of heavy stuff on it that uh, was really cool. So you never know. Yeah. I, I grab out of the bag every now and then, and something that, I was, that was never published, you know, and, and – Rework and put it back out. You never know what what you might come off there. What you never might know what you might find. Yeah. Well, with the new record that you're working on now, I mean, uh, is it going to continue like where the War We Rage left off, or are you taking it in a little different direction? Um. Well, everything we do has usually, a, it's, you know, it's kind of a, how we're feeling at the, at the moment. So um, I would probably say that it's where that left off, um, with a maybe a touch more diversity both ways. In other words, there might be a little bit more hard rock on there, and there might be a little bit more trash on there as well. So, you know, I I, I hate parameters, and I hate when people go, well, you, you need to pick a song, and you're not, you know, it's too hard to determine who you are. It's like, hey, man, I wrote all the songs. What's the difference? You know yeah. what I mean? So there's going to be some mid-tempo hard rock slash heavy metal power metal stuff on there, and there's going to be some, you know, thrash metal, um, Bay Area thrash metal stuff that I love, you know what I mean? So just yeah. That's what it's gonna be. Yeah. It's gonna be a kind of bush record for sure. Well you try to you try to trash up Bon Jovi on, on the last one with the cover record. You try to make you try to speed up that for Bon Jovi. Hey man, that was that was funny. When that came about we were sitting at the so called the round table, right? And we were discussing this and we got Jeff on the phone in a conference call, the record label, and he goes, Well you're not gonna play no popular songs? You don't do no popular songs? And I'm like what, you think I'm going to play Bon Jovi? You're crazy. And he goes, that's exactly what I want you to do. <laughs> so you got to pick one song, so guess what it was? Dead or Alive. <laughs> Dead or well, Alive. I think, it's, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, because they hear it that way. I mean, I, I think it's pretty cool. People, I think, take things too seriously today, and they, they judge and critique every little thing instead of just enjoying it for what it is. I'm telling you, that, that is so true, Mike. You know, I, that's what I said. I knew when we put it on the record that your, you know, your guys that only see death metal or thrash metal or speed metal, whatever, they go, oh, these guys are pussies. They put Bon Jovi on there. You know what? I don't even care about them guys anymore. All I care about is people who actually, like you just said, pop it in and give it a listen and see what they think, you know, because that's what it's about. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, everybody's a critic today. The internet made everybody a critic. You give them a keyboard and uh, everybody's got an opinion about something. Nobody keeps anything to themselves anymore. Yeah, I know. They hide behind that keyboard, you know what I mean? No matter what, good, bad, or ugly, it's, it's a keyboard thing. So, um, and That's you what know what? When it, 
when that song got done, again, I was proud of it, Mike, because I didn't know how it was going to go. I've never sang a Bon Jovi song in my life. And 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 they go, well, you, you, know, you should be able to do it. You know the words. I'm like, I don't know the words. And they're like, you don't know the words, but I don't know what. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't know the words. Ask me about, you know, uh, a Testament record. I know the words. Ask me about, you know what I mean? So, yeah, anyway, we did it. And then I sang it a couple times, and they were like, oh, you're too far from the melody that originally was there. So I went back home and, and kind of studied his thing a little bit. And, and and then I did that, you know, with it. And I've already had a couple people tell me, oh, Bon Jovi had so much more feeling in it than what she put into it. And I'm like, well, I believe you. I believe you. you know? <laughs> it's his thing, you know. It ain't my thing. What can I tell you? Yeah. Uh, people are too much. I mean, I, I tell you, I, I love the Red Hot version from Motley Crue, but when I hear you do, like, the Judas Priest stuff, like Metal God and, and the ripping them, you can really hear, like, how, how much of an influence, uh, you know, Judas Priest and Rob Halford had on you. I mean, it really shines on those songs. Huge, man, huge. I mean, back in the day when I couldn't hit those high notes, I, I lived to do it, you know what I mean? It was like, one day, one day, I'm going to be able to hit a freaking high note so I can sing a Halford song, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, we're, again, tossing around, and, of course, the record company says, living after midnight, and our thing coming, and I'm going, no, no, <laughs> no, you know, and, and, like, well, you know, that's what's popular, and I go, hey, man, a priest fan, a real priest fan, those Judas priests, and if yep. they only know those other two songs, they only know those other two songs, I don't want, I don't want them anyway, you know what I mean, so, that's how I came out, and the river, man, I gotta tell you, it was hard, it was hard to sing that song, um, and make it even what I call audible because you know I'm a give, I'm a big priest fan. It's got to live up a little bit. And I feel like I fell a little short on the ripper. But you know what, man? It, I, I pride myself on the fact that you know I could even pull off Rob Halford at all. So. Yep. That's I mean, fun. when you when you're doing these songs, does it give you a little bit of a more of an appreciation for like what the artists went through when they were recording it? Because I mean, even though we sing these songs oh. in our head and we, we know them all, but when you actually go into the studio. And try to emulate or, you know, at least give your version of it. You say, damn, what was in this guy's head when he was coming up with these melodies and putting these songs together? Oh, without a doubt, you know, uh, listening to the piece I'm in the studio, right? And I've got uh, the original version, several variations of that song, you know, up, and I've got my stuff up, and I'm listening to it, I'm listening to it, and I'm going back and forth, and I'm, I'm going, yeah, I don't really care for the original, you know, off of the 19, you know, 79 or 77, I'm looking for, you know, something live so I can hear Rob give it his all, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I'm listening to Unleashed in the East, you know, The Ripper, and I'm going, yeah, okay. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm going to give it hell. <laughs> you know, so the utmost appreciation to those guys for the efforts. And, and, again, the creativity is astronomical when you go back in the day and you look at The Priest and Maiden and, and those guys, overwhelmingly cool, you know? And and they're still around doing it. That's the best part of it all. Is that the, and and they're still putting out new music too. On top of that, that's right. You know, I pride. I, I really, I really have a lot of pride, self pride, but it reflects from Priest and Maiden because some of the old links that come from that era <clears throat> who don't go out on the on, out on the nostalgia tours. They go out and make records and they tour. They make another record and they tour. You know what I mean? And I love that about them because I I, I agree with. Uh, Bruce Dickinson there, man. You know, we're not a we're not a, a novelty show. We're Iron Maiden. And I think, man, wow, wow, what a way of putting it. You know what I mean? Very cool. 
Yeah. Uh, I agree. I mean, I feel if you're a musician, you're in a band. I mean, being a musician, you're an artist. You're a creative person. Why wouldn't you want to create new music? I mean, whether it sounds like your old stuff or something new or whatever it may be. I mean, I couldn't see just doing like these, like, like a revival tour, going out like the old 50s acts where they're on a tour with Tenelic who's playing like their two big hits and moving on. I would want to keep creating. I mean, I feel like I would die in the inside if I wasn't able to keep, you know, creating something new and I had the talent to do it. I, I totally agree. You know, when, when I first heard, I don't remember which pop metal band, I can't remember which one it was, but they're like, yeah, we're probably never going to make another record. We're just going to tour on, you know, on the hits. Nobody wants to hear music from us anyway. And I'm thinking, why don't you just quit now and make room for somebody else? Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're right about that. You know, they're getting, you know, all that, but yet they ain't going to make no, no more music. It's like, I lose all respect for, for bands like that, you know? Well, I'm glad you're still here after 25 years still doing it. Did you think you'd still be around with this, you know, when you first got started? Did you say to yourself, you know, I'm going to be an old man one day. I'm still going to be doing this. Not that you're old. We're the same age pretty much, but I mean, did you think you were still going to keep doing this? You know, I, I probably would say yes because, man, from day one, this was what I was going to do. You know what I mean? When I was 13 years old and I was sitting there, you know, pretending like I was playing the guitar, you know, couldn't really play but making noise, you know, I just instantly, I fell in love with the concept of writing songs. And I didn't want to learn how to play everybody else's tunes because uh, I was worried that it would make me sound like them, even though they were my, you know, my, my who I listened to. I thought, man, if I learn the guitar, all the, all the chords and all the notes, and I do it myself, then it'll be my own stuff. It won't be somebody else's. So in the early days, that really sucked because they were horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, yeah. it evolved, and, and here we are. So now and I'm, you know, it's a whole different ballgame on that. But I would probably say, yeah, I, I thought I'd be doing music in one path or another. I sure hoped that I was getting paid more money than I am now, but <laughs> that was the idea, you know. So, and you well, know, I'm glad you're still doing it. But most most musicians, man, who do do this, you know, I mean, yeah, I like to have a, you know, five houses and twelve cars, and that's all fine. But that's not my objective. I just want to get paid comfortably, live in an okay house, have a vehicle, and play music, right? Yeah. Not asking much. That's all I want. That's all I want, man. A little bit of a little bit of fun here and there, and and I'm good, you know. So. Yeah, I'm anxious for the new record, man. But I gotta tell you, the, the under the influence, um, it, it's 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 doing well when it comes to the people receiving it. Um, at first, everybody's skeptical. I gotta honestly be honest with you. Even people around here who's known me for a long time, you know, they they get the, you know they get they pick up the disc and they go, well, I'll probably listen to this once or twice and throw it to the wayside, making jokes. I go, why is that? I go, oh man, you know, cover records, nobody ever listens to them for any length of time. And then all of a sudden, the other day, I had a good study post on Facebook, I was out doing lawn work and everything, blah, 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 and he, he goes, I finally decided to pop it in, Derek, and then he goes, man, I can't believe how good it is. It's like, it's a compliment or an insult, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm sure it was a compliment. You did a great job on the record. I'm looking forward to the new one coming out, and Derek, when you do have the new record out, come back on here. We'll do it again. I mean, I've been a fan since Fight for the Metal, going all the way up to Dead or Alive, and I'll be with you on the next record, oh. too. Uh, Mike, I really appreciate that, brother. I really do. I appreciate you spreading the word for me a whole lot, too. You got it. It's my pleasure, Doug. You take care, man. Have a great day. You too, buddy. Thanks. Bye-bye.
Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. Something X Danger Danger Singer. You know, if you're a fan of hair metal, it's got a great vibe from the old 80s. So hopefully you enjoyed it. 
And I think we're going to have Ted on the show sometime in the future. I'm, I'm not too sure yet. But next week, we got another great show lined up for everybody. Who do we have next week? Joe Lynn Turner. Joe is always an outspoken guy, and it should be pretty funny to hear what he has to say about a lot of stuff going on in the world around him, especially the Rainbow Reunion that doesn't include him not being inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Deep Purple and a whole bunch of other shit. Also, John Riccio from Tantrum, killer band from New Jersey, cult metal classics, just re-released all their old stuff and their first record. We'll be talking to John live next week. And I know we have someone else. Oh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Brian Frank from, uh, what do you call it? Rapid Tears and the band Killer Bay. I'm looking forward to that also. So don't forget to tune in. It's going to be a, a great show. I'm going to do one more song, and then we're going to – actually, two more songs. I'll play one more, and we're going to close it out with Conspiracy Chronicles. This is a band that Bobby Leatherlung Lucas was a part of. It's more like a project. Uh, the songs are very long, so we'll do one song by a rap child. We'll go right into a Conspiracy Chronicles song. It's called The Order of the Shining Eye. Bobby sounds great in this, like everything he does. I want to thank everybody for listening today. I do appreciate it. Once again, I apologize. There was no show last week. It made it worse because the week before that, I was on vacation and there was no show. So it was a very long two weeks in between getting a show in the end. That's rare because we rarely have ever missed a show here. In eight years, I don't think I've gone more than once a year with, you know, not doing a show. And that's usually because a holiday falls on that day. And, you know, those are the days I spend with my family. But you know what? I'm glad that we're back now. And you know what the cool thing was? I was on vacation, and I got to see Night Ranger perform live. I never saw Night Ranger live uh, back in the 80s. I've always been a fan of theirs, a big fan, <laughs> you know? Just that back in the 80s when, you know, you're running around with jackets with Venom and Merciful Fate and Slayer on there, you don't go to a Night Ranger show. And that's just the way it was back in the day. You couldn't be seen there. But I was a closet Night Ranger fan. I remember when Brad Gillis uh, performed with Ozzy. In New York, uh, when they were recording the Speak of the Devil album, and I was sitting in front of the TV one Saturday morning, and back then, you know, uh, Dick Clark's uh, American Bandstand used to be on every Saturday morning, and I remember seeing the guy with the long blonde hair saying, wait a minute, that was the guy that played Vazzy. That was the first time I saw Night Ranger, and I became a big fan. I still until today, so it was pretty cool that I got to see them live at Epcot. And uh, and Disney, when I was there, they were performing. They were doing three shows a day uh, on the weekend. The first set was an acoustic set. So I was kind of a little disappointed I had to see the acoustic set, but we walked back later on for the, you know, for the regular show. And it was pretty cool. And they did a lot of great covers, man. They did a Black Sabbath cover. Uh, they did a, a Sticks cover. He did some of the stuff from Damn Yankees. The band looked and sounded great. So it, it, made my, uh, it made my whole vacation, if not my week and my month and my year, to see those guys playing live. All right. Enough talking here. Here's Rathchild with Arm to Deliver. And then we're going to close it out with Bobby's band, Conspiracy Chronicles. Take care, everybody. I will see you next week.
this is my impression of a drill instructor directing a musical. Town hut! Get those tap heels in line and let me see those jazz hands! Are you bundling your home and auto insurance through Progressive? Can you hear me through those sequins? Bundle your home and auto through Progressive and save. Left, left, left and step ball change. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates. Home insurance provided and serviced by other select insurers. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a drill instructor directing a musical. Town hut! Get those tap heels in line and let me see those jazz hands! Are you bundling your home and auto insurance through Progressive? Can you hear me through those sequins? Bundle your home and auto through Progressive and save. Left, left, left and step ball change. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates. Home insurance provided and serviced by other select insurers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.